0: rated
1: movies. I am Ryan Whedon, one of your hosts. I am Matthew Fisher, the other one of your hosts. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date,
0: now they don't. Now we talk about movies. Just talk, 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 talk. Yakety yak, don't talk back. <laughs> uh, Matt, I have
1: uh, to tell you something. Yes. So you may or may not know this about me, but sometimes I get obsessed about a song for like Five days, and it's the only thing I can think
0: about. I seem to recall you had this problem not that long ago with... Uh, I can't even remember what song it was now. Oh, it was uh, the uh, Under the Sea. <laughs> that was at least one of the songs you uh-huh. had stuck in your head? Yeah,
1: sometimes they just... And
0: then I just can't turn, take the the
1: record off the loop in, yeah. the, in my head. Well, uh, recently I got... Uh, stuck on the 1988 Billy Ocean song, Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. Okay. And so there's a line in there that really, it kind of breaks my brain. Because he says it more than once. He tells her to, you know, get out of his dreams, Mm -hmm. get into his car. Mm -hmm. But then he tells her to get in the back seat.
0: seat, Which
1: I don't i don't understand
0: because you can't give roadhead back from back there yeah is he a cab driver what what's going on limo driver and he wants to partition up i guess my question
1: for you is why does billy ocean want this girl to get out of his dreams and into the backseat of his car
0: yeah that is confusing uh my immediate thought of course is butt stuff backseat just being you know a euphemism for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh butt stuff but there is
1: a line where he says touch my bumper and we all know from the grace jones song pull up to my bumper that's about butt sex so
0: i mean yeah that uh it i mean it definitely sounds to me like billy ocean is uh, is into the being on the receiving end of butt stuff yeah he's like get in that back seat baby Ooh, yeah hmm i mean it's a line i use regularly i just didn't know it was from that song (laughs) yeah
1: Get in the back seat. I will say that I, I decided to take to the, uh, the video in my research on this today. Okay. And uh, it is a humdinger of a video. I'll just <laughs> tell you that right now. But he's driving a Porsche which has no back seat. So what happens when that line comes up? She gets in the front seat. Also, I, I guess he's British because he's driving on the other side of the car. Ooh, yeah. So, he's on the right-hand side yeah. while driving? Yeah. He's on what would be the passenger side here.
0: Oh, that's just wrong. So, she gets
1: in the, the driver's, you know, it's, it's it's like we were talking about Extra, and that kid got in the, the oh. what looks like the driver's side of the car. Yeah.
0: And I remember thinking, are they going to let that child drive? Yeah. It's like that kind of. It was very You had confusing. that same exact thought with Billy Ocean. You're like, yeah. they're going to let that child drive? Yeah. <laughs> And that's not the back seat. What else makes it a humdinger of a video?
1: Well, there's weird animation that... You know how in Mary Poppins, it actually looks really cool? Or like, of this time, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mm. Which you know, I
0: I think still looks great. Yeah,
1: and you've got live action with, uh, with animation going on. This has that too, but it looks like it was...
0: The first version of that ever It's Mm. really crummy So instead of looking like Who framed Roger Rabbit It looks like Cool World (laughs) Yeah Was that Luke Perry or Mm. something
1: I just remember Kim Basinger Was the voice of the uh, Titular cool girl (laughs) No one remembers that movie No one
0: remembers that movie Not even the people who were in it
1: Yeah or made it They're like did I make Cool World They go to IMDb like, oh, look, I, I did do
0: something on that. What do you know? Yeah, because the guy who, who, like, did the animation on that, it was, like, the guy who did the animation for, like, uh, Fritz the Cat. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name right off the bat. Like, he did a bunch of other, like, adult-type stuff. Do a double feature of that and, um Rock and Roll. Oh, God.
1: Just a death sentence right there. <laughs>
0: You uh, you prepared to enter a world of earthly delights inside this pleasure dome? Yeah. Yeah, I think I am.
1: Great. <laughs> Today's movie is the 1980
0: disaster piece, <laughs> Xanadu. See, I feel like you are making this out to be worse than it is. I think
1: that it has a reputation of being super terrible. And watching it this time, I was like, I don't
0: hate this that much. So I I will say two things on that. One, this is the movie that inspired the Golden Raspberry Award, Mm -hmm. aka the (laughs) Razzie, and uh, rightfully so. (laughs) But two, I don't think it's as bad as other movies. I'm
1: so glad you feel that way cuz I I was worried I was really going to have to defend my position.
0: I mean, you will a little bit. So like where I have say erotic thrillers or weird art house movies, you have bad 80s musicals. Yeah. <laughs> my speciality, apparently. Because I know that we got shock treatment somewhere in the pipeline. And then what was that uh, third choice from... The Apple. The Apple. Which
1: came out uh, like three or four months after Xanadu. So. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, my feeling... Just with- as clueless, though. <laughs> my feeling with Xanadu is that because it's sort of a disco musical, mm-hmm. disco exists in like such like a tight time span Mm -hmm. like that's so unique to like the values and like the perceived notions of that day that anything like any disco made outside that time just withers and dies (laughs) i know that like disco didn't officially die like once the clock struck midnight on 1979 as you as boogie nights would have you believe (laughs) yeah right but in some ways it kind of did die (laughs) like With the 70s, and, you know, this movie was just, I think if it would have come out two years earlier, it would have been, maybe not a critical darling, but it at least would have been a commercial success, which I guess it was not. Yeah, people Uh, turned on disco real fast. Yeah, yeah. It's like that one night stand where it's like you got a couple drinks and you're like, this isn't so bad. And you get a look at it without makeup. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, no. I was talking with somebody
1: that like there's like this homophobic element to the whole like disco sucks movement. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like disco was a type of music that gays and women really loved.
0: And it was a little gender bendy. Little, yeah. Or gender fluid. little bit more... uh Racial harmony, there, there was fashion
1: involved. Yeah, so, like I, I, you know, there it got stomped on by like rock guys who were like, "Disco sucks!" And like, I think people kind of jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah, and it was really easy to say, like,
0: oh, "Yeah, I don't like disco either." Yeah, because it was not overtly butch the way that a lot of the classic rock or prog rock of the time or punk rock of the time was. Sure, but. I think with hindsight, time has been a little bit kinder to disco. Yeah. At least in one guy's opinion. There's still a craft to making a dance song. Like, to make a really danceable, catchy song takes songwriting skills. And, like, yeah, no one's tearing up the guitar in a disco song necessarily. But, like, you still have to have, like, the craft of songwriting in there. Absolutely, yeah. And, I don't know, I feel like it just kind of happened in an era where either like musicianship was overshadowing songwriting ability mm-hmm. or sort of a, a level of cred and authenticity. Cause you know, if you're fashion or you're glamorous or something like that, that could be construed as selling out and that night might not play to, you know, certain crowds either. Right. So I don't know, you, you just got like fighting factions there and disco doesn't fit into either camp. Yeah. Which is why I think it was kind of smart that they chose ELO
1: to do the music for this. E- why? <laughs> because they kind of had that rock cred, yeah, um, but were able to still kind of produce some disco. I mean, Xanadu is a disco hit, like that yeah. song Z- itself, Xanadu, and It's Alive could easily be played at a disco. Yeah. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And uh, It's Alive. Even- I'm alive. <laughs> Even all over the world sometimes gets played at the tea dance So, yeah. uh, you know, like, it, it's still still good stuff
0: there. But that is from a rock band, you know? Yeah, I mean, early ELO is, like, decidedly experimental rock. Like, they had an oboist in the band. Ooh. <laughs> uh, we all know how you feel about those in bands. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> and then Jeff Lynne kind of got to this point where he just was sort of making pop rock very very Beatles esque pop. But you know, by the time he was getting to the late seventies, he was already kind of moving into that like dance pop, disco pop realm yeah. already. Yeah. And by that point in their career, ELO, electric light orchestra for the uninitiated, by the time we get to this era, they're a fairly conservative band. Yeah.
1: I and I think uh I mean I think he's a brilliant songwriter, so I like I don't like everything, but I think for the most part, he's pretty
0: solid. He's uh, the one member of the Traveling Wilburys that almost everybody forgets. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, when you're dealing with Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, George Harrison, and then Jeff Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> like, who you think is going to get left yeah, out? Yeah, that's
1: true. They're all going by their names. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So, Xanadu. 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 This is another uh, example of everything looking so right on the page. It really seems like it should succeed, and uh, it just...
0: Gonna have to disagree with you there, Ryan.
1: <laughs> Are you kidding? We've got Olivia Newton-John in the lead role. Who hot off grease. Hot as shit then. Hot Uh, Off
0: Grease could have been the name of her biography had it come out that year.
1: Yeah. You know we've got Electric Light Orchestra which were also pretty big at the time Mm -hmm. making the music for it. We've got Gene Kelly on board for this doing some dance stuff and like you know Mr. Singing in the Rain himself is in this movie.
0: Honestly I was a little embarrassed for Gene Kelly here. (laughs) It's like here's someone who like literally redefined what dancing was in movies and he's so riddled with arthritis that it's like Olivia Newton's John like you know, one oh one tap is out showing him. <laughs> it was it was really sad to watch. Like it it what also made it tough is like there's no hint that like he's doing the movie for a paycheck. Like he's still like Mr. Professional in this. Like yeah. he's showing up, he's smiling, he's got charm. Yeah, he's looking the part and he's giving it his all. But it's like every time he has to dance, you could just like see these pangs of like just hurt going through. You can his hear body. the, the joint scraping together. Yeah, he's like the Tin Man without oil. <laughs> it was like there's a reason why oh. this was his last movie and he still lived for like 16 years. Yeah, the stuff
1: he has to do is embarrassing too. There's like a montage of him trying on outfits for the grand opening of Xanadu, and oh, you're just at like the
0: franchise
1: glitz <laughs> dealers
0: or whatever. It's so oh, it's sad. So I feel so bad for. Him. But like that's another thing where it's like you don't see from him any like shame or embarrassment. No, he's but going you know for it. it's there. You know that he's like like this is terrible. <laughs>
1: Uh, I would also argue that Olivia Newton-John is putting her back into
0: this. But I feel Olivia Newton-John doesn't know better. Yeah, well, maybe. Gene Kelly has been in classics already at this point. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John's just some Australian immigrant trying to break it into the big U.S. market. <laughs> but she's, she's
1: having fun. She's smiling. She makes me feel like she's enjoying herself even if she hates it. Yeah. So
0: that's something. I, I also feel like largely this movie is like a vehicle for her. Sure. like there's that song near the end where I feel like the camera just like is in one spot and she's in one spot and she's just looking at like some like a red tape X off in the corner someplace <laughs> and she just sings for four minutes there's no changing camera push angle in, yeah. yeah
1: I was thinking about that because you know this is before MTV and but people were still kind of making music videos but it was mostly just like a person on a stage Mm -hmm. singing a song like they had shows that were like that like top of the pops is that you know like the british show so like i think that there were shows going on at this time that were just people standing on the stage singing a song and so i think that audiences then were used to something
0: like yeah because i know michael jackson for like off the wall there's still like a handful of videos for that but that was like 77 78 Mm -hmm. something like that I mean, but they're literally just, like, him dancing and singing.
1: Yeah. And that's it. So I think that, like, people were accustomed to that kind of thing. But I agree with you in this. I was like, God, is it going to do? Is anything going to happen? Or is she just going to stand here and sing for four minutes?
0: I would also like to note that this is the second movie in a row that has a clarinetist in it. At the beginning You're of right. Hard Boiled, Chow Yun Fat plays a jazz clarinet. Wow, it's at- our clarinet season. <laughs> and Gene Kelly is playing clarinet intermittently throughout the movie. It doesn't seem to signify anything. It just is supposed to connect him to his, you know, days of glory back in the forties.
1: By the way, I think when he gets off the rock from playing playing the clarinet, he goes, "Boy, oh
0: boy, they shouldn't make rocks like they used to." Okay. There's <laughs> several lines of dialogue that make no sense. <laughs> Who wrote this shit? It's, no. It's,
1: yeah, the writing is garbage.
0: Like, yeah, it's I, I, really, really bad. Well, there's one scene where, like, Sonny Malone, our protagonist in this yarn, and Kira, uh, Livy Newton-John's character, she says, like, Now I want to go somewhere else. Where? Find out more about you. I mean, that kind of makes sense, but that that almost seems like, they had dialogue and they put it into google translate <laughs> and then they had google translate it back to english it's
1: like I could do it. and the, well in the movie is just like it's all telling not showing like the very first the very first montage is him working as an artist trying to create art and he like is crumpling up pages and you're just like oh my god we've seen this trope a million times and then he tosses them in the wind and the first line of the movie is oh, oh what the hell Guys
0: like me shouldn't dream anyway. And it's like, oh, man. Because you thought the scene sold itself without yeah, the dialogue. You not to tell me that he's an artist who's struggling to you know, like his work. Uh, so I have a couple problems with the opening. <laughs> um, so it shows him drawing, and then he rips up his stuff and throws it in the wind, mm-hmm. and it blows away to this... Portrait of nine women where they come alive. Mm-hmm. So, w- really, if I were to be watching this movie on silent, which would make it unwatchable, <laughs> it would really kind of give off the implication that, like, his dreams are what created. Right. Th- uh, you know, at least these people coming alive. A, all nine of these women come alive. Olivia Newton-John, Kira, is the last one to come alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, with her hands over her eyes. (laughs) There was some uh, ethnic diversity among the music. There was. So that was nice. Yeah, there was an uh, African-American woman. There was an Asian woman. That might have been the end of the list. (laughs) I think there was a redhead. (laughs) Oh, yeah, ethnically diverse, yes. (laughs) But it kind of gives this implication that it's like his passion brought them to life. Right. But, spoiler alert, Sonny Malone's trying to make it as an artist... By the end of the movie, he does not. Mm-mm. Shouldn't, like, the moral trajectory of this movie be that he succeeds at becoming an artist because of her help? Yeah.
1: Well, she just made him uh, a successful businessman. Or we don't even know. We don't, The Xanadu's only open for one night. <laughs> that place could tank in, like, a month.
0: I also have a slight thing about the opening night at Xanadu that I'm a little unclear on, but we'll get to it. Okay. But I actually kind of like... Aside from it having misleading visual narratives, uh-huh. I kind of like that opening scene. I like the neon women dancing around. Yeah, the I li- first I'm one that alive. comes alive looks like she's like opening her legs for <laughs> sex or something like that. Like She's pushing her knees out and she's writhing. And I was like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is saucy. I don't know, just,
1: the censors must have been writing something during, <laughs> when they put the PG rating on this.
0: Uh... But, uh, and I, I like the the yellow song that's playing. Yeah, I'm uh, alive is a good song. And I like the, yeah, the neon outline of them dancing. I thought that was all good. And, you know, Olivia Newton-John coming to life. It's, I don't know, it's it's cheesy, but it worked for me. Yeah. I, it's I'm, fine. It can't be, it's stupid. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And I actually watched this movie twice. Oh, okay. So I had this complaint about it being misleading on a narrative level, visually speaking. And I thought, well, maybe he was drawing. Stuff that would later become Xanadu, oh. and like she was guiding him. That's not I what happened. That no, <laughs> that's not. No, that, that didn't happen. But I was like, that would be a saving grace if like what he was drawing ended up being Xanadu. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because then I was like, oh no, no, that would actually then fulfill like that his was moral his dream goal. Yeah, yeah, was
1: to bring all these various groups together in a roller disco ring. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone's got their own dream, you know. Yeah, I was trying to help you Xanadu <laughs> I was pulling for you it's weird because during, right after that scene she like zooms up to him with this lightning light behind her on roller skates which
0: only she can see or only the audience can see <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know why he wasn't freaking out the camera out, like... catches it though because she ends up on that album cover and she's got that glow in yeah the you're right why wasn't he like
1: what the fuck <laughs> Because she yeah. comes up and gives her, gives him a kiss and mm-hmm. then skates away. Yeah. Which I don't know how often that happens to you, but me never. <laughs> so he decides to go back to his job as a record art enlarger for so a record I think this label. is
0: what brought up our conversation off mic. was okay. like, like you were talking about how this used to be a job. Yeah. And I said that it still is because the silver platters in Soto has people paint murals on the side of their buildings like once a month. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, I think you said like, oh, like in Xanadu, and mm. I made the grave miscalculation <laughs> of saying I've never seen Xanadu. Oh, man.
1: I remember as he being the only one at this like record label who does this. They have four full-time people painting these things. Hey, man, they're just giving jobs away in 1980. I mean, I know there were more record stores around then, but
0: Wow. Quick aside for our listeners out there, if uh, you have not seen Xanadu and someone asks if you've seen Xanadu, just say yes and politely (laughs) change the subject. Because most of you probably don't have the tolerance for this sort of stuff like I do (laughs) to turn around and watch it twice. You don't feel like this is an experience
1: that... uh, I watched it (laughs) twice, didn't I? (laughs) I think everyone needs to experience it at least once. Anyway, I don't know, like, the the plot, I mean, it's it's it sort of plays out like, uh, like Singing in the Rain, where it's like the plot is
0: sort of secondary to the musical numbers. I mean, you just saw Singing in the Rain not terribly long ago. Yeah. So, like, the image of, like, a young, virile Gene Kelly is probably <laughs> still fairly fresh in your head. I mean, there are whole Tumblr accounts dedicated to, like, his butt. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it just, it felt so bad that... It's not like... It was bad that he was in it because he's still a good actor. And like there's a scene near the end when he's like on roller skates and there's like a close up of his face. You know, those like bowling pin jugglers. Yeah. That's how you enter Xanadu is <laughs> you have to walk under a bunch of people ju- throwing
1: juggling or um, juggling pins.
0: And just like the way that like he's like looking at the camera and smiling. I'm like, he's still Mr. Show Business. Mm-hmm. Like he is such a consummate professional. He showed up for this movie. He, he, yeah, He did. He really did. But I don't know. That's also why like, I kind of feel embarrassed for him. But I'm like, he's so talented, and this is where he ended up. I
1: know. It was...
0: Oh, it's sad. Poor Gene. <laughs> As he no doubt slept on a pile of money.
1: <laughs> Do you agree, though, that there is sort of like a similar vibe to Singing in the Rain, where it's like it's more about let's get to the next musical number and then like you, you work around that. Yeah. Then like actually developing characters or a plot or anything like that. Well, I,
0: I remember in Singing in the Rain like near the end, really like I think it's like the lead into like probably like the biggest, most flashiest of the numbers Gene Kelly is talking to like some Broadway producer, and Gene Kelly's like, I had a number, uh, or I had an idea for a number that goes like this. And like, it goes in this like huge over the top musical. And I think that's where like Sid Charisse comes in. She's got like the green dress. And then like, it comes out, and he's like, Well, I don't know about it, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. Like, that was just a dream sequence for an idea that he had that has nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. Which I mean, it's largely fine. Like, we're not watching these movies to not see dancing yeah and this movie
1: is similar but there's a problem like i think it was uh i think what's the name of the song i want to say it's like always or sometimes or something like that um (laughs) so it's either constant (laughs) or intermittent (laughs) yeah something like that (laughs) (laughs) and they go into some like movie set or something i'm not sure and it's like there is like a singing in the rain moment and then there's like They're on a rooftop in New York City, and it's kind of fun because, you know, they're singing to each other, and it's like they're on a date, and they have all these different set pieces, but they're on roller skates the whole time, Mm. which makes, like, any
0: dancing they're doing super clunky. Mm. It just... It didn't work for me. I mean, you danced... Or you did dance. I don't know if you still dance. So you'd have more of a professional opinion than I. How did you feel about the dancing in this movie? I mean... Here's my problem with the dancing in this movie
1: is that no one looks like they're having any fun. Mm. Like it looks like they're all working and counting in their head and just like really concentrating rather than enjoying themselves and that makes me not enjoy the dancing. Mm. And maybe it's because of the roller skates. And I will say when I was in fifth grade, I auditioned for a talent show Mm -hmm. where I choreographed a solo dance wearing roller blades to Debbie Gibson's Electric Youth. (laughs)
0: Hurts just thinking about (laughs) that.
1: I did not get selected for the show. Oh, I know it was heartbreaking, but uh, just knowing how hard it was to even come up with moves while you're on roller skates or rolling shoes, Mm -hmm. um,
0: whatever the case may be. Can we refer to roller skates from here on out as rolling shoes? Sure.
1: It's hard to choreograph for that, so I mean, it's hard to choreograph for that, and it's hard to dance in them. So I mean, they did the best they could. It
0: just—I uh... feel like because old-style uh, uh, rolling shoes are pretty heavy. Yeah, and that's what they're wearing in this. Because roller blades, I remember they felt just primarily like flimsy plastic, mm-hmm. the cheapest plastic, like that that would not be approved for like snow boots or something, but like. Roller shoes had like thick leather with like hard rollers. Lots of laces. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Really, now that I'm thinking
1: about it, roller skates should be called roller shoes, and roller blades should be called roller skates, because they're like skates. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're get gonna on that this, industry. We're making this happen. <laughs> what do you What do you make of the uh, the Venetian blind transitions in this movie?
0: Uh, I mean, there was a number of questionable transitions. There was one that was like. I don't know, a bunch of squares falling or something like that uh-huh. or descending away. Uh you know, I'm for it. We just we just don't have the wipes the way that we used to. I was thinking
1: I kinda missed this too. Like it's cheesy and dated, but maybe we can bring it back with some new versions of that.
0: Like obviously, like I wouldn't want like real serious movies to have these sort of transitional wipes. Like no. I don't want to see like enemy having star wipes. <laughs> 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 I was going to say the sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) But for some that's supposed to be lighthearted or campy or carefree or escapist, I'm totally fine. Go nuts. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, personally, I I think the wipe is a lost art.
1: (laughs) Thankfully, Star Wars is still around (laughs) to keep them going.
0: Uh, But they just do like the, the, what do you want to call them, the side wipes? Sure. Swipes? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they they were playing with it in the Last
1: Jedi a little bit. Sometimes it was a diagonal swipe. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they did some
0: some different swipes. All right, question for you: Which club would you want to go to? Sonny <laughs> had the vision for the rock and roll club. Gene Kelly had the one for the old style swing club. And uh, Sonny says something he's like, "No, swing went out with running boards." I'm like, "What's a running board?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't bother to look it up, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I liked. I guess I want to go to the 80s club? I don't know. Uh, really? I want to go to the old swing club. Like if, if... Well, thankfully,
1: we have Xanadu where they, <laughs> they blend the two together somehow.
0: It's know, inorganic, unholy mess, <laughs> <laughs> but they are together. I don't want to go back to a time when sw- swing clubs were in fashion. I want swing cl- <laughs> clubs. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know of a swing club here in town you can you can visit. I want swing clubs to be in fashion now. Okay. Like, yeah. Like I want to have all the niceties of modern society but with the fashion grace and dignity of a 40s style swing club. Mm, mm-hmm, Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mostly because that 80s band kind of sucked. <laughs> I Okay, so this
1: is why I brought up Billy Ocean earlier. Because there <laughs> were lyrics in that song where he says, Lover, I want to take a backseat tonight.
0: <laughs>
1: what is it with songs about going in the backseat? I mean, I understand that's where you can do some fooling around. But
0: man. I mean, in that context, I want to take the backseat. That just makes it seem like I want to be a lazy top.
1: I'm gonna lay on my back, yeah, and you ride me cowgirl style.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what it sounds like to me. In and that the, the Billy Ocean doesn't sound like. No, that, Billy but.
1: Ocean sounds like get in there, yeah, like <laughs>
0: dig around, <laughs> just a dirty little mole, <laughs> badger it up back there.
1: <laughs> Billy Ocean.
0: But yeah, this band, this band
1: is singing. I want to take a back seat tonight. So I don't know. I just yeah, I want to have sex, but I want to be lazy. References.
0: Well, I mean, isn't that where you kind of did it back in the day? Like when you had like bench seats and cars. I don't know when Mm -hmm. those went out of style, Mm -hmm, but A, so the bench. up on Blueberry Hill. (laughs) That's where you found your thrill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, bench seats so that you weren't encumbered by armrests or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then those cars back in the day were just fucking boats on wheels. So it's like you could lay down almost entirely flat back there. Yeah. So part of me understands why you'd want to go in the back seat. Right. But not a Porsche. No. Oh. Not in a Tesla. <laughs>
1: well, in a Tesla, you could do it in the in the hood trunk, the front trunk. Do
0: they have a thing in the back? Yeah, the, the motor's thing, in the back. The engine. <laughs> oh, whatever the thing that makes the car room. <laughs> the go-go part. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, yeah, I mean, that scene is... I think the first time I saw this, that was the scene that stuck out most in my mind because I'm like, what are we... What am I even seeing anymore?
0: Yeah, it's like when the two clubs merge, I can't say that it's like super convincing. (laughs) I'm like, okay, they have the same beat. And... It's garbage. Yeah. I love it! But it's like, why...
1: Why didn't, when they merge it just turn into disco? Like, wouldn't
0: that make sense? Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> like, Because, I mean, a lot of disco had, like, a, a lot of strings and brass in it. Sure, yeah. Uh, just think of... Uh, Sherilyn's Got to Be Real. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, horn. N- nice, brassy yeah. uh, intro there. It's like, and then Fifth of Beethoven, you got your strings. I mean... So that actually would make sense if they, like, fused and formed some sort it's of disco like, thing.
1: It's like... They're create- rather than creating some weird, uh, you know, genetic monster of the two, why not make it their child? Which would, the child of rock and roll and swing music is disco. How about that? Oh,
0: see? <laughs> You're giving the movie a chance, too. Yeah.
1: They just breezed right past that for some reason. I don't know. I mean, the movie had a lot of chances to be good that it did not grab did not capitalize but i mean this movie is an anti-capitalist movie the director of this went on to be uh, a documentary filmmaker who did like what the f which mm. was about fox news and rupert Mur- rupert murdoch's uh oh, war on. really yeah, he also did uh the high price of walmart the, the... he did yeah. really he did all oh. those like from last decade name a like left-wing documentary and, uh, uh I can't brave m- new world pictures
0: yeah yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say there, there's one production company that did all those yeah. oh i didn't realize it was that guy yeah this doesn't come across as anti-capitalist, though. No, I mean, but- kind of, because, like, uh, uh, the record exec, Simpson, who's like, I got smart. I got out of art. Yeah. There's a foundation there where it's like, be an artist. But at the same time, like, what do the two artists do? They open a capitalist they fucking foundation. They open a yeah. business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you quite saw that
1: one through all the way to the end it really but... feels like he sold out in a different way yeah <laughs> yeah at least you're painting in that other job Wh- what is he doing here what is he doing in this job now he's got to like manage uh bartenders and stuff like
0: come yeah on. W- which is why i thought that like maybe if he was designing xanadu like in the drawings yeah that it would be like him meeting his dreams in some way shape or form but it's not no. like
1: and the building is cool too. Like I thought it was like it's like the art decoy, not the inside. The inside's fucking oh, weird, yeah. but like the outside looked really cool. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, we may as well talk about the final uh grand finale. It's like it's a roller skating rink with a fountain and a stage, but there's also a couch and there's uh jugglers that you have to go under. It's madness.
0: Yeah, I remember the on my first time watching it and everyone's like skating around I was like they're all skating through the dancing like <laughs> the dance floor like where do people dance if they're skating yeah I thought that was very confusing and the song was really strange because it was just like really hard propulsive percussion yeah it was like marching band yeah and they were off beat yeah it didn't have like a real striking rhythm to it and then they would just clap and go ho ho <laughs> Yeah, it's And then every now and again say Xanadu. (laughs) And I'm like, is this a song? Like, is this what counted for music back then? It's bizarre because it's like, this is our big
1: number, right? Like, this should be really exciting and thrilling. But it's like, this was the moment where I really noticed all the dancers are not into it. Like, they all seem really grumpy and, like, concentrating. And uh, we can't really see what a lot of the dancers are doing because the camera's moving so much. And... It seems sloppy too, like the like the stomping they were doing wasn't going along with the playback that was that was happening. So it's like that should be really crisp. Yeah, it just
0: feels like poorly made. Yeah, yeah, there's sort of a sloppiness to it, and the song itself is already kind of lame. Yeah, there's a lot of percussion, but like you can't dance to it. Like yeah, it, marching would be a better term for what you could do to it. Yeah, but even then, it's like it's a little too fast to march two really and then there's not much in a melody like there's nothing that really gets stuck in your head because yeah they're just you know you hear clap, the, clap, the clap. Yeah, clap, clap. Clap, clap 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 xanadu clap 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 oh <laughs> like I don't know not not the really the greatest song mm. I did like the actual xanadu song yes once Olivia Newton-John comes out
1: Kira yeah you comes can breathe out. again you're like thank god and Get she, Gene Kelly on roller skates,
0: out of here. <laughs> There's some portions of the song that are questioned, like the country and western oh, vibe. Oh, no, I know, Th- I know. Those the the fringe on that jacket was O.T.T. Th- that, <laughs> that
1: was the jacket that uh, Gene Kelly tried on in the in the montage sequence. Oh, that's,
0: that's yeah, wrong. he tries
1: on one with crazy fringe like that, and you're it's. Uh, because she tries
0: one. it on and then she does like some sort of gyration and like they just go all over the place <laughs> and they make her look like some sort of squid <laughs> I mean, it's like it, it's unbecoming to everyone I
1: wrote down all the things she did because she did several styles at the end there she did yeah. um, tap dance first moving yeah. into a tiger prince rock and roll kind of thing she has a, a tiny little ass yeah and she I mean in these this final thing I really think she's kind of going for it. She showed up for that film yeah. shoot. But the again, the dancers in the background are frowning and unhappy. <laughs> they look really miserable.
0: I would imagine that a big musical is hard to do. Yeah. Like I feel like on top of just making a movie, you have to like arrange a song and choreograph. Like like those two things are already hard enough. Yeah. And then you have to make a movie around it. It
1: reminded me a lot of the Whiz. I don't know you haven't seen that, but like, there's a huge moment in that movie that happens uh, at the World Trade Center, and it's enormous. There's so many people, and there's like, well, I think the largest costume change in history of film up at that until that point or something like that. Something okay. nuts like that, but um, it's kind of the same situation where it's just not well filmed and there's just so much going on that you can't see anything hmm. it's a frustrating thing because it seems like it should be amazing and huge and by the amount of people and the amount of costumes and the amount of work that obviously went into it you're you're frustrated because you don't get to see it it doesn't translate to what you're seeing in the theater
0: one thing with uh xanadu though that kind of made the movie look cheap a lot of times it was like just the plain black backgrounds. Yeah. Like in the club scene where they merge. And it was like, it was just clearly like two sound stages. Yeah. <laughs> crossing into <laughs> one another on like just a set of pure blackness. I'm like, this kind of looks cheap. And You're it's like, like. Expecting to see people in all black pushing it. Like. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And it was like, or when uh, Sonny Malone like finds Kira roller skating in, in you know, the warehouse that becomes Xanadu, uh-huh. and it's like this is just boxes on like a pitch black soundstage. Yeah. Uh, or when they're in the fucking kingdom of Zeus or wherever the fuck it is, like <laughs> it's just black with some neon lines. It's clearly like
1: some kind of green screen situation. And
0: yeah. It's just like really like you couldn't come up with a background like something that's supposed to like. She's supposed to be in this like like literally like a kingdom of gods, and it's black with like gold neon lines. <laughs> they weren't afraid to stick with a, a
1: warm color palette at that time, so it was it's like orange, yellow, and red. Yeah, those are the colors you get there
0: on black. The guy who did the voice of Zeus, I think, also did a bunch of like Disney voices because oh. he's. Uh, the voice sounded really strikingly familiar to one of the mice in the rescuers down under hmm. um, I mean speaking of animation
1: <laughs> there is a uh, Don Bluth productions Donny B <laughs> animation sequence in this movie that is not telegraphed at all we have <laughs> I have no idea why it happens it's
0: very bizarre doesn't really seem to play into anything else where they turn into fish and birds, and uh... I didn't look up the timeline, but I think this was before *Secret of Nim*. It is. I think that that's the next one they did. Okay, because that was the uh, like the Don Bluth production premiere feature-length film. Yeah. Um. So this would have been made before they'd done any actual full-length movie. And you can
1: see some of the recycling in it too. Like when he turned into birds, he looks like the crow from *Secret of Nim*. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, for listeners out there, Don Bluth was like. When Disney started sucking, Don Bluth kind of filled the void there for a while. It's like Secret of Nim, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, mm. and he
1: used to work. He started out working for Disney, and
0: he felt that they were cutting the uh, costs in the animation department too much, so he quit to start his own. Yeah, but yeah, so this was like probably Don Bluth's like as like a separate entity from Disney. That this was probably his big screen debut. Yeah, and um, it's
1: inexplicable. <laughs> I guess, I don't know, I kind of chalked it up this time to, like what I was saying before, where it's just a different type of musical expression. And so they're just, you know, like Singing in the Rain 40 years before, they're just like, here's a new
0: way to show dancing. On screen. Well, well, because like you were saying earlier with like Mary Poppins and things like that, like animation has been in musicals before, Mm -hmm. like animated sequences. So it's not totally like out of left field, I guess I should say, but it also doesn't seem to make any sense in the context of the movie. Yeah, like in Mary Poppins, like they go into a world of animation. This one just kind of happens.
1: Yeah, and it's sort of like it comes after a scene where he's like, I just don't understand you. And she's like, ha ha ha, I guess you never will. And like. Is this supposed to just represent their feelings for each other? Is this supposed to, like, did he, did she take him on some weird fucking journey where he actually turned into a bird, like sword in the stone style? Because like, it's never commented on again. Doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I'm not shitting on the animation itself. It's a fine sequence. It just seems to make no sense.
1: I don't know, and I'm going to say that this is one of the strengths of this movie. Is I really like how just colorful it is. This movie was made the same year as Midnight Madness, which we also, wow, you know, same year. Boy, but you just... got a
0: type, don't you?
1: <laughs> also, super colorful. You know, like I, 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 I guess I kind of miss movies that would go this primary colorful mm. you know you i just... kind of
0: felt like it wasn't colorful enough oh yeah you think well, they could have gone higher? because i felt like there was so much time spent in black and i was like i thought like xanadu was supposed to be this like otherworldly you know pleasure dome and it's like oh no it's just like someone glowing gold <laughs> on a black screen I don't know. I, I felt like it was a little lacking in the color that's why i said like the opening scene where they're like sort of highlighted in like the neon purple while dancing around I thought the movie was going to be like that the whole time Mm -hmm. which I I'd be knocking this up stars you know if if it was that level of colorful the whole time but it kind of lacked in that department Mm. I don't know I feel I guess I disagree with you I feel like it's I think it is
1: colorful okay but um, I don't have any way to back that up at the moment it's just maybe it's a feeling Mm. it gives me it gives me a feeling that there's lots of color when did you see this movie first uh, so it was a long time ago, at least like 15 or 16 years ago. Okay. Around the time I saw Wild at Heart for the first time. So, oh, really? Yeah. Which is also a colorful movie now that I'm thinking about it with rainbow filters on that. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rainbows and clarinets. That's season <laughs> nine here, guys. And action <laughs> movies. <laughs> wow. Huh. We are diverse. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd, uh, I wanted to see it because I... I guess I read a thing. It was a midnight showing at um, it, at the Egyptian, but I wasn't able to go. But I remember reading a little blurb about it in The Stranger and being like, this sounds like something I totally have to fucking see. So I, I eventually rented it from, uh, I think it was Island Video was the name of it in Fremont. Oh, I had a friend that worked there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I eventually rented it from there and uh, just got high and watched it in my apartment by myself. And just, I don't know, after finishing it thinking like, this is... A movie that everybody needs to experience at least once. Every every gay, I might even say. Yeah. like it's a, I'd, I'd
0: call it canon in the gay experience. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'll agree to that. Yeah. This isn't a movie that I want to watch every day, although I watched it both days this weekend. <laughs> um, but the, I, I think I've already kind of carved out a place in my heart for it. Like I, I know I spend a lot of time shitting all over this movie, but it's not that I wasn't entertained or that there wasn't value to it or that I didn't you know glean some enjoyment out of it. Uh, it's totally watchable. Yeah. It is watchable garbage. It, yeah it's absolutely watchable garbage like it it makes no sense but you'll laugh at it not making sense it won't like make you cringe or just like hurt your brain as to why it d- isn't making sense like you, you'll move you'll laugh and move past it. Yeah. Stupid fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i gotta ask you Mary fuck kill sonny malone kira and whatever the hell gene kelly's name is (laughs) i think i'm gonna take
1: a page from your book and uh i'm gonna go ahead and marry gene kelly Because he's got got the money. He's He's got that nice big house. He's got a nice house. We can just have a marriage of convenience. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can go play his clarinet, and I'll I'll diddle who I want. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just be the trophy wife. You're a little long on the tooth to be a trophy wife, aren't you? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) Gene Kelly's like 80 in this movie.
0: I am a trophy wife. Also, at the the length of your jean shorts there, I can still see that you got the gams for it. So... (laughs) And you know he's a leg man since, since he was a
1: dancer. So. Yeah. I guess... Uh, boy, I guess I'd fuck uh, Olivia Newton-John. What? Because
0: Sonny is just a flaccid, flaccid fish no i mean yes but no like it's a cold fish he's got like a heath ledger thing going
1: on you wouldn't like you wouldn't fuck a god when you had the moment the chance to she he, can make herself
0: appear on the tv screen imagine what she could do in bed i don't know she i feel like she wouldn't try <laughs> you know like she like because she's so cool and emotionless like it, it like she'd make you do all the work and she wouldn't really appreciate the effort that you put into well, it. She
1: fucked Michelangelo. She knows how to fuck gay dudes. So,
0: mm, Do they say that she fucked Michelangelo or just inspired them? I mean,
1: it's implied.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like it's unclear whether she fucked the people that, and do, is you're it, right. I guess maybe you're right. That's, I, that's not it, fair Is it that me. she inspired them or that one of the sisters inspired them? Well, I don't think they're interchangeable.
1: 'Cause I think she's specifically the muse of uh poetry and dance or something like that.
0: That's not paintings. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. that's why she's there. She's like, dude, give up the painting. So I'm I'm with you on the Mary. Okay. See, yeah. Well also I feel like the the character at least that Gene Kelly's playing would be charming and fun and fancy free yeah he probably knows where all the best restaurants are oh i'd love to go to dinner with him i'd love to have dinner parties with him oh yeah sounds like a lot of fun no i'd totally be companion trophy wife whatever he wanted be a-okay with sure but no i'd definitely fuck sonny and i'd kill oj you'd kill a god (laughs) o-n-j
1: o-n-j r-i-p Anyway, what's what's coming up next week?
0: Well, something kind of in the uh, rainbow category, I guess I should say. Oh. Uh, so with hard boiled, we were talking about the the importance of it being real, mm-hmm. like how much a real explosion or a squib or whatever really impacts the scene, either for the actor or the viewer. And I'm kind of going the opposite this time, and I want to do an action movie that showcases how when cg's done right it can really enhance a movie and it can make it really colorful and interesting so i'm doing the movie dread from i think 2013 you know the other day i was
1: uh just browsing and i put i I saw that the original judge dread with stallone oh god it's so bad It's like you know i've never seen this i'll give it a shot i made it about mm, 30 minutes in before i realized wow it's really getting late i should go to bed <laughs> yeah
0: it it doesn't it doesn't no. hold up but this movie is really good I'm excited. yeah this movie is, i uh solidly enjoyable so oh, i'm excited to watch it again well do you want to plug our junk leave us love any place that you get podcasts itunes apple podcast stitcher we really appreciate your reviews
1: and i just want to give a shout out uh thank you to anyone who has done that already um specifically my friends emily and katie who did it for my birthday i <laughs> really appreciate that it's just always nice and it helps get the word out about the podcast so Thank you very much. Follow us on Twitter at XRatedMovies. It's where you can find out all sorts of junk uh, about us that you might not know about us. Like, for example, <laughs> I
0: really painted myself wow, in, a, say, in a corner don't here. Start unless you got something. <laughs> Damn it! Okay, well, well, yeah, let me try uh, again. I've been drunkenly tweeting a lot on there, so you can find out the inner workings of my mind at the very least. Great. Follow us on Facebook at RatedXMovies. Mm-hmm. Join the conversation. Chat at us chat with us That's fine and if you want to contact us directly best way to do it would be via our email x dot rated movies at gmail.com
1: people looking for us to do commercials for them you want to hear our golden hued voices talking about your product send us some uh, info there we'll consider it until
0: then we'll see you next week for dread bye bye, bye.